Hallelujah. We're going to look and continue looking in the book of Romans tonight. And just for a few minutes, we're going to look at this message titled, Responding with God's Love. Responding to God's Love. We're going to go ahead and I guess, uh, did we... Did I even let you all pray before they took the offering? I can't remember if I did or not. Okay, I was making sure you're standing up. I didn't know, brother. I'm sorry. Okay. I thought, Lord, they're still waiting to take the offering. Okay. Forget. Your pastor's had a rough day today, as you can tell. Okay. All right. We, can we take another offering? Is that okay? Okay. All right. We're going to look tonight, Lord willing, at this, this message, responding with God's love, Romans 12, 14 through 21. If you'll stand for the reading of the word, we're going to look at verse 14. It says, Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, neither, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Verse 21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Overcome evil with good. We're going to respond in God's love. Hallelujah. Lord, we come before you tonight. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, we thank you that, Lord, God, that you can do things that's impossible within a life. And God, that our lives can be so transformed by your love and your power and your spirit that, God, the world can see such a transformation in our lives and, God, it'll point directly to you, not to us, but to you. God, work tonight, speak tonight, and have your way in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Responding with God's love. Responding with God's love. When you read these verses that we read tonight, It takes God's love to do some of the things. Because we're talking, if you look at the uh, first uh, three, uh, three through 13, this verse is in that chapter, it's talking about how Christians should respond to other Christians. And and we're used to that. We we get in fellowship and we know how to uh, care for each other. And we have services like Sunday and you get outside and you want to fellowship and you know how to treat each other right. But what happens when you get outside of that and you go to the work the next day and somebody doesn't treat you the way they did at church the day before? Sometimes we struggle with that. Sometimes it's just natural. And, and, and so this is, this is Paul giving us instruction that is telling us how to respond to the lost world around us and people that we deal with. It doesn't come natural. In fact, this is supernatural living right here. You can't, let me tell you right on the outset, you won't do this in your own strength. If you do, you're, it's going to be hard. You can force yourself to do a few things, but eventually you'll start slipping up. 
It's going to take a transformation from God on the inside. And we're going to look at some of these things. In fact, if this chapter that we're looking at, it's the same one that in chapter 12, verse 2, that says this. You've got to have this before you can do it. It says, be not conformed. Don't be molded into the shape of this world. Don't, you can't be like, don't be like the world. It says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, that's what it's telling us here is all the verses preceding this is giving the perfect will of God for you, the way you should live and react to those that are in the body of Christ. But here's the hardest ones. This is telling us the perfect will of God for your and my life to react to the people that don't treat us the way they really should. That doesn't give us an excuse. Sometimes we think, well, if they're the ones that fault, then it's their problem, not mine. Amen? Amen. So we're going to see there that this, these verses is telling us how to deal with those that are not saved. We're going to see in verse, uh, these verses 14 through 16 tells us how to act, how love acts. Verse 14 says, and we read a moment ago, Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Bless them. Now, that's not, gonna, that's not natural. That's not what our body says. In fact, when, when someone does something, persecuted you, someone who is just, that every time you see them, it's like their goal in life is to make your life miserable. They're, they're just coming after you. They don't like you. They make it very clear that you're not their best friend. And it seems like they try their best to make you miserable. And the scripture here, and this, if you read this, if we go to Matthew chapter 5 and we look at the Beatitudes, this is Paul who's giving us, restating the Beatitudes that Christ preached that were so different than anything that they'd ever heard. Now, if you, the person that is, if you look at the life of Jesus and you look at the life of Paul, these two people that are teaching us to live these transformed lives are not people, sometimes people try to teach something and they've never lived it. If it'd be easy for someone who doesn't have kids to come in and say, let me tell you how to take care of your kids. If somebody's never been married, say, let me tell you how you need to treat your wife or whatever. And you're saying, hey, buddy, you don't have a clue what I'm going through. But that's not the case in these cases. Jesus Christ knew everything about persecution. And so does Paul here. This, Paul has been persecuted from the moment that he got saved on the road to Damascus. He's been persecuted, so he knows all about how to react. And so the, the, our intuition, we find ourselves sometimes and someone's treating us bad and all of a sudden that hand becomes a fist and we know we got, oh, wait a minute, something's not right. And so he's telling us here, bless people that persecute you. Bless and curse not. You know what the natural reaction for us is that when someone does us wrong that we want to, we want to respond in kind. We want to say, well, you deserve this, buddy. Or whatever, and you just let that flesh do whatever it wants to do, and they deserve it. And for about 13 seconds, you feel good about it, and then you don't. And so we talked about some of these things before. But, but Paul is telling us that the way that a Christian should live, if God's within your heart, and the only way you can do this is God has to do a transformation within you. God has to do a transformation in you. And let me tell you something. Every single one of these will only will start is, 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 is one of the, the uh, Beatitudes says to pray for them which despitefully use you. Pray for them. If you ain't praying for people that's treating you wrong, you can't do these things. You want to do them, but you won't be able to. But it says bless those that persecute you. And then it says it again, restates it. Bless. Bless them. Don't curse them. 
it's easy for us to talk about, to come after, to try to retaliate against people that do things against us, and it's, it's the natural. But every one of these things, if you follow the Word of God, you become a beacon of light for people to see the transformation that God has done in your heart. There is an Arab custom that kind of symbolizes how God wants us to react to people. In fact, they have this custom, and sometimes they do it wholeheartedly, and sometimes they do it, and it's just something they're putting on. But they have a custom that they, uh, that they perform. They touch their head, they touch their lips, and they touch their heart. And in doing so, they're saying, I think highly of you, I speak well of you, and my heart beats for you. It's, it's this symbol, outgoing symbol that says, I really care about you. I'm, I really, you are important to me, and I want to bless you when everybody else would try to curse you. And let me tell you something, they, they expect you to react like they do. And when you don't, you're talking about getting their attention that does. And it goes on in chapter, or verse 15, it goes on and says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. What's he saying here? He's saying you need empathy. He's saying you need empathy. You need to be able to feel what other people is going through. Sometimes I get empathy, and some of you may be this way, too much. Now, I don't mean I'm too much caring for other people, but sometimes I can feel what people are going through. Sometimes people say, I wish you could feel more because you're not responding. But there's t- I, if you ever see somebody get, their, get cut with a knife, does it, do you feel, do you feel that? I mean, me, I feel it. I can see it, and I'm like, oh, I feel it. And somebody else goes through some things, and sometimes even if my wife tells me how she's feeling, I can start feeling the same. I think I'm getting sick too, you know. I, I think I'm getting the same thing you got. Why? Sometimes we, God is saying to us here, he, you need to feel for other people. I don't mean just get sick if they get sick. He's saying when they're going through things, you need to be there. And so it seems like the first part would be easy. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Why why would we have a problem with that? If you ever had someone that got a blessing and you didn't, I mean, you're struggling with your finances. You've been praying about it. And somebody else over here, a big windfall comes their way and all of a sudden they get they're getting they got a new car and and they their their business is taking off and everything's going great in their life if you don't watch out we'll get we'll do this well i wish that was me but what god is saying here in this thing is that when people are going through things and it's a blessing in their life that we need to be able to feel that and say well thank god that God's blessing you. I know my time's coming, but thank God He's blessing you. God looks at the heart, and He looks at the motives behind her heart, and He wants us to be able to rejoice. When something good happens for someone else, maybe it's someone you really don't like, and you're saying, that ain't fair. That person don't do it the way I think they should do, and I, I'm not happy. And we may even have a grudge because they seem like they're happy and things is going right. God, what are you doing? No, God is saying you need to be able to feel for people and you need to be able to even rejoice with people even if they're getting a blessing and you aren't because God's watching and you don't know if what, how we respond in that circumstance might mean how we get treated tomorrow. God may have something ready to pour out on you bigger than that. And so we need to be able to do that. And then he goes on and says, and weep with them that weep. We see people that go through things and we see people that struggle and people that's hearts broken 
And let me tell you something. If there's ever an opportunity for us to minister to someone else, it's when they're vulnerable and the bottom's dropped out. And you may look at that person and say, but they deserved it, man. That person has not been living right, and they've been treating me bad. And something, look at here, they deserve what they got. No, 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 no. The, the Word of God says when people is hurting and people is weeping, that we need to be able to feel with compassion and be available so that God can use us as a testimony to them. Jesus did this. We read some of these verses, I think even Sunday, it was either Wednesday or Sunday when we read in John chapter 11, talking about Martha and Mary, and their brother had died four days before, and they're heartbroken. Why? Because, not because just their brother died, because they expected Jesus to already have showed up, and he, was, he could have took care of it. They knew it. They was waiting on him. They had just kept looking down that road. Where's he at? Four days later, they finally gave up. They gave up. And so in John eleven thirty two 32, it says, Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And 33 says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Well, he's getting ready to raise him. Why is he so troubled? He had such empathy that he felt what they were feeling. He felt hurt for them. His closest friends were weeping, and it caused, he knew he was going to, he could have smiled with a smirk on his face and said, you didn't wait till you see what's getting ready to happen. No, he wept and groaned in his spirit because he felt their empathy. 34 says, and they, and said, where have they laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And the shortest verse in scripture says in verse 35, Jesus wept this wasn't a cry that he put on this was empathy that he was feeling for others and if you go on and read it says that the others seen what he was doing it says boy how he loved this man and and this family looked and says oh how he loved our brother why he showed empathy and so if we want to be the best example i don't mean put on a fake cry but when those per and sometimes we don't even know what to say have you ever got to that place someone's going through something and you go to that person and you try to help them and sometimes I don't even know what to say, especially if it's a loss and you don't have an answer. You don't know why this great thing happened to them. You don't have an answer. All you can do is say, I just want you to know I care for you. And they see your heart's broken for them, and you're praying for them, and you're there for them. You have a friend for life. There was, there's a little saying that's so important on sharing sorrow and joy. It says, it says a sorrow shared is but half a trouble. A joy that is shared is a joy made double. And so when we get in there and we help lift a load, their sorrow is shared and we can help them. But when we rejoice with their joy and stuff, it is, a, it is even a better. Sometimes, if you know, do you feel this way? I get excited about some things that's happened in my life and it doesn't feel as good. Until I can just tell somebody about it. It's so much better when you can say, just like tonight. The, the testimony about the transmission, it was good when it happened, but boy, it's even better when you can tell everybody else about it because you can brag on how good God is. And that's, that's the way God wants us to be. Verse 16 goes on. He's telling us, and, and these are hard things. You can't do them. You say, God will help you do them. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. What he's saying here, don't look with your nose stuck up in the air. Don't treat people differently. 
based on what they can do to benefit you. Don't look at people and treat them in a different manner based on what's in their bank account. Don't treat someone better because this person's got something I want and need and they can benefit me and this person is, can't do me any good. In fact, they're going to want me to do something. And if we don't watch, it comes natural. We try to avoid this one and lift up this one. And God is saying, and we know that even in James chapter 2, he warns of these things. He warns and he even tells us in verse 2, For if thou come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool, sit here under my feet, sit in the floor. You, you're so low that you can't, you don't even, you don't even, worthy to sit at my feet you sit under my in fact I might put my feet on you and that's what so it's talking about making someone lowly and it says in verse 4 are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts and verse 8 says and if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself ye do well but if ye have respect to persons ye commit sin and are convicted of law as transgressors I read a little example, and I can't. I don't know how far back this chief justice was, but there was a uh, there was a chief justice whose name was Charles Evan Hughes. Charles Evan Hughes was raised in a Baptist church, and his father actually was a pastor, and so he was a Christian. He was a very uh, heavily proclaiming Christian that would tell his testimony, and he got chose by the president to be the chief justice. And so he moved to Washington. And he, when he got to Washington, he found a big Baptist church there. And he went and, and uh, he uh, uh, signed up. And he put his name on their roll. We don't do that, but they do. And the, so that the custom of this big church was every Sunday, everybody that joined the church, they would bring them up front and recognize them, have them stand and say, we would like to welcome our new members of our church. And they would say their name and they'd come up and then everybody would welcome them. When they was going down that list, I'm not sure that it was alphabetical or whatever it was. Probably was because the first person's name that got brought up front that day was a man by the name of Ah A.H. Singh. He was a Chinese man who had moved from San Francisco and had started a little laundry right down the street. And he went off to the right side and they called his name. From then on, every single name that got called they went over to the left side of the church. Well, you're right, my left. So they went to the other side, the next one, to that side. And it got to be really awkward because Ah Singh was standing over here by himself. But when it finally got to this man who was the chief Supreme Court justice of the Supreme Court of the United States, and they finally listed his name, and all these people probably thinking, oh, I get to say I was with the chief justice. Where did he go? He went right over here with Ah Singh and stood right up next to him to let him know, I'm right here for you. You're important to me. And so he's, this, this is reiterating what the Word of God says. Don't look at people differently. Don't be exalted in your mind to think they're not worthy of me. I'm much better than them. I, I, I heard, and, and this, is, this is not political. I'm going to say a name, but it's not political because it's something I just heard a few months ago talking about there was a documentary that I was watching and it was talking about uh, presidents and it was talking about 
the Secret Service and what their opinion was of different presidents and their wives. Pretty interesting. And it's something that caught my attention was, and they said that one of their favorite presidents was Trump. Why was that? They said because when he was going through and had all these big decisions he was making, and he talked to all these big political figures, many, many times he would take his Secret Service detail, who's guarding him, and not, most of the time probably don't get talked to. Your job's to keep me from getting killed. And said that they, he would ask them, what do you think about this situation? What do you think I should do about this? And I can imagine the conversation, sir, I'm not a political person. All I'm doing is guarding you. And he'd say, I don't care. What do you think about this? And when they would tell him what they thought, they got the opinion. He really took that into consideration of what he said. People likes people who thinks that says that, well, you're way above me, but you care what I think. You, you care what I think is important to you. And so we need to realize the Word of God says we need to be that way with people. That's, that's why, uh, you know, Dad, one of the things with the bus minister was so successful with the bus minister. He's talking about this last weekend at the house. Uh, his bus uh, was, I mean, he would fill it up every week. Is unbelievable. Of course, he worked himself to death, and, and I hated the times I had to go because he worked me. You know, I had to be right there with him as he knocked on them doors all day, sometimes six and eight hours on a Saturday. On Sunday morning, he, when he got to the, house, uh, to the house, I won't go into every detail, but when the kids weren't ready, he would make the bus driver sit there, and he would go in and get them ready. He would get those kids and get their clothes on and bring them in and, and try to get them into the house of God. And so it was like he showed, hey, you're important to me. And they remember, you'll see them throughout the years. I remember seeing kids say, hey, I used to ride your bus. And it would be somebody that we remember. Hey, God wants to do things through you, but we can't be high and mighty and think God can do anything because he can't. Verse 17 goes on and says, this is, this, these verses start 17 through 21, tells us how love reacts. So how does love react? Verse 17 says, recompense, that means pay back, no man evil for evil. Provide things that are honest in the sight of God. It's saying here, when someone does you evil, two rights don't make a wrong God's will is never to respond back the way they did you. Now, that hurts. That's hard. Sometimes you may even say, that's not fair. It's not fair, God. But God can have do more impact through you when you do right, when others do wrong, than any other time. He's, you know, God's watching us. And if we look at even the Lord's Prayer, what does it say in the Lord's Prayer? And forgive our debts... As we do what? Forgive our debtors. What is that saying? Forgive me the things that I'm not worthy of, Lord. You forgive me every day. And I get up this morning, and I know I've made some mistakes today. Lord, please forgive me. And he says, I forgive you, but are you going to forgive those that done you wrong today? We want to be faithful to let God work through us. So how do we do these supernatural things? Again, the first thing is you've got to trust God. God's telling us to do these things, and I'm telling you if, you, if you ace these things, it's not natural. If these just come natural to you, that is awesome. Thank God for that. But for most of us, it's not natural, and we have to work at it. And sometimes I have to repent at it. Why? Because it doesn't come. If, we, if we're tired and we lay our guard down, we will fail in these areas. 
because it doesn't come natural. So the only way we're going to be able to respond radically like this is first you've got to trust God. And then second, you've got to yield to God. You've got to say, God, I trust you know. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I'm going through something and it's trying to overwhelm me. And I say, God, I have to trust you know what I'm going through. God, you knew this was coming today. And Lord, I, I have to also trust that you know what you're doing. And so therefore, God, help me to trust you and help me to do what you want me to do because it doesn't come natural. It's only that person that's going to spend time praying and seeking God and, and yielding their flesh in the morning. That's why it says that daily the flesh has got to die. Daily you've got to crucify that flesh so that we are listening to what God says to us. And that's the only way we're ever going to be able to respond that way, to not do evil. In fact, we know that what, what does the, the Jewish culture said when this was written says two things, an eye for an eye. The tooth for a tooth. It was the culture said that you need to make sure that you do back exactly what they do to you. But the word of God says, no, you need to forgive people. In fact, the Lord in the, in the, in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, he says that the person that strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other one. Lord, do you know what you're talking about? And he says, yes, I do. Before I went to the cross... They beat me black and blue. In fact, they, in fact, if you read some of the translations, it looks like they hit him over the head when they put those thorns upon his head. They give him a, a staff. And this, this is amazing. Some of the translations is much more graphic. And it says that they continually took those big, long thorns that were shoved. If you get a little splinter in your finger, it hurts like crazy. It's unbelievable. And they would take these four-inch thorns and drive them into his head. And then they had a scepter where they was mocking him as a king. And it says they multiple, multiple times, they beat him over the head. They beat him and battered his head to where his head was destroyed. And his head, I'm sure, was swollen to where he was, hardly could even see through his eyes. And he says, turn the other cheek. And if somebody can turn their cheek and let him do this enough, and we don't see, what did Jesus, what was Jesus' response on the cross? It's the same one we see with Stephen when he's being killed. Jesus is sitting there, and these people have mocked him. Now, this is God himself, and he's the one dying for their sins, and he's on a cross, and they have accused him of lies. They have beaten him. They have, they have taken and just striped his back to where he looks like a, just an open wound. They have sat there and mocked him. They have spit on him. They have laughed at him. They have humiliated him by stripping him bare on that cross for everyone to see him. And they're doing all these things to him, mocking him, come off that cross. And two of the thieves are sitting there saying, yeah, if you want, come off that cross. There are, all this is going on. What's his response? Does the scripture say he made a fist? Did, did, could he have said, you just wait till you figure out what you... No, he doesn't do anything. It's, 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 if you could see a picture, there's probably tears coming down his face because this is what he says, Oh, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Stephen emulated that same thing. They're throwing rocks to crush his skull. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know. That is when someone has got the love of Christ in them so intently that it changes them from the inside out. They don't have to work it up. This person doesn't have to try to make it happen. There's something different on the inside, and everyone can see. Paul, let me tell you something. He was driven with this, but let me tell you something. He keeps talking about Stephen. He can't forget what happened that day. 
He's seen the love of Christ in a man who was being killed and it impacted him. It impacted him. Verse 18 goes on. We're going to try to move on. If it be possible, as much, and that's the key word, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You, you, there's people in this world that may not like you or me. And in fact, there's sometimes there's people you can't satisfy. But it's not, there is no excuse for us to say, well, that person, it's their problem and I don't have any responsibility. They're the ones doing it. But what the Word of God here is saying to us, that you need to do everything in your power, that any opportunity that lies within you to make that situation right. Doesn't mean that they're going to accept it. But when they look at you, they don't need any excuse to say, yeah, you look at him. He didn't say, you know, he, he or she, they've never tried to make things right with me. And we can easily look at somebody like that and say, well, they don't deserve it. And they don't. But he wants us to give ourselves and he wants us to yield ourselves and try to make peace with people as much as you can. There can come a point where they will not, they don't care. But God sees your efforts. And if you pray, and then the only way this is going to work is if there's somebody, you can't do that with somebody that you're not praying for. So when someone, if you, it's in your life in here, I mean, I'm, we're going over this, and I know there's, there's reasons, and the Word of God is proper for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. So there might be somebody in your, here tonight, and you're sitting there saying, but I've got somebody, I know exactly who you're talking about. The only way that things are ever going to change in your heart, that's the main thing, is what God's doing in your heart is that we have to learn to say, God, please change me. I, I, I was talking to someone the other day, and I tried to get across to them that this wasn't the right answer. They were telling me about somebody that was a big problem in their life. And, and, and they were saying that, you know what, you know what, if God would just kind of uh, uh, wipe them out, that's what God just wiped that person out. That'll take care of that problem. And, they, and I was thinking, well, God's not your hitman. God is not your hitman. That's not the answer. The answer is for God to save them by you, by you praying for them. And so they're watching. And you can have a great influence if we try to do that. That's a hard one. But God can help you. 19 goes on and says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. That's, that's quoting, I think, Deuteronomy chapter 13. But it's quoting an Old Testament uh, 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 truth that the Lord does not want you to try to fix it yourself. He doesn't want you to try to retaliate. Sometimes we, we go through things and it's, we see opportunity. Have you ever done this? Somebody does you wrong. And, and I, I wish I could say I've never done this. Someone does you wrong or something happens. And you find yourself in your mind, you're sitting here thinking, let me tell you, what I, if I get a chance to tell them, I'm going to tell them this, and I would come back and say that. And you get, you're in your mind, you're thinking about these things. This is what I'm going to do. And if I get an opportunity, and, you, and, you, and so on yourself, you're thinking, well, I'm okay because I really didn't do it. I'm just thinking about it. But what does Scripture say to us about that deal? That if you, if you in your heart hate somebody, what have you done? You've killed them. You're just as guilty as a murderer. So sometimes we can't, we got to catch ourselves. Because what the enemy does to us, when someone does us wrong, and it's natural, the first thing we think is, let me think, boy, I'd like to do this. And what, if we don't watch, there'll be a root of bitterness within our heart. 
A little seed will hit our hearts and we think about it. The more we think about it, the more it grows. And the more we work it over, the bigger it gets. And the next time we see them, it gets even bigger. Till finally, it totally destroys our life. There's people that is in total domination, tore up over an event that happened in the past, and the person, that, and they think, boy, I know I'm making them miserable because of what's going on, and I'm so, I'm so upset, with, upset with them, I'll never forgive them. And that other person's went on with their life and don't even know you're upset. And they're, they're not under any bondage, they don't feel any problems, and you're living there thinking you're teaching them a lesson, and you're the one that's losing you're the one that God says, don't do that. Do not try to respond and take care of your problems yourself. Allow me. Now, in our, our, uh, you know you with your own kids that if you want to rile up a parent, touch their kids. Some of my biggest mistakes is when somebody messes with my kids. I, you, I get weak. I get weak. And you all may say, amen, I've been there before. You get weak. Thank God my kids are grown now. But still, grown kids, you get tore up there too. But we got to watch. And so God's our Father, our Heavenly Father. He's watching what you're going through. He knows when people are treating you wrong. But what is He saying here? He's saying, don't take care of it yourself. Don't you try to fix it and then make a mess and try to turn it over to me. He's saying to you, I see it. Allow me to work. Don't you do anything. If you do anything, you pray for him. You seek God. You say, God, you see what I'm doing. You see what I'm going through. Lord, this is killing me. Lord, I don't, know, I don't want to respond wrong. And you pray for that person. And you do your part. You know what God does? He works on that heart. Sometimes when we react, there's times in our lives that we've done something to respond back to when someone did and God was going to do something and God was going to fix them. The best thing that could ever happen is get them saved and then be able to come back and say, you help me. But when God's getting ready to do something about it and all of a sudden we react, God shuts down what he was going to do. Why? You reacted wrongly too. Now you're just as guilty as they are. It's easy to do that. It's so easy to do that. And so these are all pits. These are all traps. David got ready to do that. He was sitting there feeding, what was Abigail's, I didn't write it down, Abigail's husband in Scripture that didn't take care of him when he was getting ready to be king. Yeah, something like Nabal, I think, yeah, I think it is Nabal. So we'll say it's Nabal, something like that. And so this, this man was a rich man. So David had his band of 400 men. And so he was going and, 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 try, and here they were, they was about to starve to death. And, they was, and so they were looking, trying to be protected so they wouldn't get killed by... Saul, and they were protecting his sheep. In fact, all these other uh, people, they wouldn't protect their sheep. And when they did, the, you know, animals got them, people stole them, whatever. But they guarded his sheep, and he didn't lose a one. They could have took advantage of him and said, we're 400, what's he going to do about it? They could have stole his sheep, but they didn't. They guarded him. So when it come time to shear the sheep and to get the wool off, they was expecting him, surely he'll give us something to eat out of this. But he didn't. In fact, when they went and asked him to do that after they protected him, he, he just totally went crazy over them. He just railed on them. Who do you think you are? You, you're, you're an outlaw. Get away from me. I'm not doing And so what did David do? David did this. He got a fist. And he said, I'm going to kill that man. He don't deserve life. He, he did me wrong. He's treated us wrong. And he is going to kill him. He's moving toward him. And what happens? Thank God this man's wife was smarter than he was. Abigail's moving away. She knows what's wrong. She knows things are getting ready to happen. And she knows David is getting ready. She knows he's going to probably be king. And she knows he's getting ready to do wrong. 
and she saved him from doing that. Why? She said, David, don't do this. My, husband, my husband's made a mistake, and, and I've got men bringing food. I've got people bringing raisins. I've got these food. Take this offering, and, and we'll give you more, whatever. Do not let this evil thing happen to you. You know what he did? He humbled his heart. He humbled his heart. He didn't do what he wanted to do. What would have happened if he'd went and killed this man? He could have cost him the throne. It could have cost him the throne. But because he humbled himself, what happened? We see just the next chapter over. This man had found out what was getting ready to happen to him. And when he found out what they was getting ready to do to him, he ended up, sounds like he had a stroke or had some kind of heart attack or something, and he ends up dying. Now, it's not saying that, oh, just don't do something and God will kill. No, that's not the way it works. I'm just saying God sees what we're going through, and he's going to watch how you react to it. And he will either lift you up or you will lose your opportunity to be that vessel that God can use to show his mercy. So God knows what's going on. So don't react. And I'm talking to your pastor at the same time. Don't react. Amen. Paul's given us also example here of the golden rule. He says, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? He says... In, in Matthew 7, 12, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do, even, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. He's saying to us that don't react the way they react. Act the way you want them to treat you. And so that's a hard thing, but it's a good thing. The best example of this is David also had a, had a situation to where a couple of times his arch enemy Saul continually unjustified tried to kill him he chased him to the ends of the earth he wanted to kill him because he thought he was a threat and he was but God's the one that anointed him and Saul's the one that turned his back and so there was there was two times he could have took him out but he didn't and this the second time it says in, in 1 Samuel 24, and I promise I'm about to finish with, the, with this next verse, but it says here, talking about doing unto the others, doing to them the way you would want God and, and others to do you. It says in 1 Samuel 24, then David went out of the cave. This is when cave was in, David, or Saul was asleep in the cave. David was in there. He could have killed him. And he said to Saul, called to Saul, my Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. This is the man's killing him. And he didn't kill him, but now he's humbling himself before him. And he said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hand in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father... Look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of the robe, but, not, uh, but did not kill you. Now understand and recognize that I am not guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting, uh, but you are hunting me down to take my life. And I maybe I've cut this out of it. I don't know if it's the exact same translation. But may the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done uh, that you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evil doers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. He's saying, I'm not going to do anything to you. I'm not after you. And he didn't. He never did. In fact, when Saul died, he grieved. 
He grieved. The man that was chasing him down to try to kill him, he grieved, and he tried to do good for the, his family. So we see that he did that. What does it say will happen? It says that, uh, verse 20, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. When you do not respond the way they respond to us, they see God's. And what it's not saying here is that your goal should be that you can say, ha, I'm putting hot coals on your head. No, it's saying that when you do good with a true spirit, that it is going to, they're going to be so convicted that they are overwhelmed with what you have done. It's going to get their attention. Because it says that if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him to drink. Meet their needs. And let me tell you something. If someone is, you've done someone wrong, or they've done, excuse me, when they've done you wrong, and you're the one, the first one that shows up and says, I hear you're in a need. I hear that these things are going on. I want you to know, I really am so sorry. And here's this, or here's that. You're talking about someone's heart melting because they know at that moment they don't deserve that. In fact, they're going to think, but I did all these things to you. I don't deserve this from you. What's going on? They don't see you. They see your Father, which is in heaven. And they glorify Him because of what you're doing in their life. Amen? It causes such an impact in their life. Saul never did give himself to the Lord and totally changed. But David did what was right, and God blessed his life because of it. Finally, verse 21 says... A final warning here. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. These, this is that moment where the world, that when I was telling you about your mind, becomes a battlefield. And it's talking about don't let these thoughts of what someone has done to you destroy you. Don't let what somebody else is doing in your life overwhelm you but you have to say God you got to help me God let me see you promise God that you're going to work everything out for good in my life and I'm going to trust you I'm not going to pick it up Lord I can't do anything about it I'm going to trust you and it's saying break the chains that's trying to wrap around your mind and your heart and let God work because the enemy is trying to overcome you you ever get overcome you ever have a day and it seems like every direction you turn, there is trouble coming at you from different directions? The enemy's trying to overcome you. But it says don't let it happen because God's there. He'll be right there faithful for you if you just let him. And it goes on and says don't let that happen, but overcome evil with good. That's the greatest testimony you could ever have is that when the rest of the world is not doing right, and they're doing things that comes natural to the flesh that they can say, there is something about that person. They talk to me different than anybody else. I was smart to look to that. You ever been that way? You reacted to someone and they reacted in a sweet spirit and all of a sudden your heart was just convicted. You knew that's the way you should have reacted and you didn't. And so this word here is telling us, if you want to be a testimony for God, don't do like they're doing. Don't react. Pray, seek God, yield to His will, ask Him to help you to do right, and others will see you as a spotlight shining in their heart, and they will trust God because that's what they want. There, there's nobody that wants that 
anger and that lostness that we have before we truly know the Lord, it's a miserable place. They're looking for peace. They're looking for what you have. And this is the quickest way for them to see it. It's not that they deserve it. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve anything that God's done for us. But He wants to speak through us. So tonight, we are looking at how to respond to others with God's love. It's not ours. It's His. And He'll give it to you if you'll let Him. Amen? How many wants to respond that way? Amen? How many says, I have God's help to do it? <laughs> Amen? Three of us. The rest of you have got it down. I'll talk to you after church. Amen? So the, uh, God, God wants us to react that way. Some of you may say, I don't, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Maybe I, just, I don't want to say that. How many don't want to do it? None of us wants to do it. But let me tell you something. I'd rather get, have a testimony. The Lord help me to get through things sometimes that we deal with and say, I was watching you. You ever watch somebody? You ever watch their life? They got a testimony for God, and you, you can tell how real it is when they start going through things. It gets tough sometimes, and I, 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 want, I want the Lord to help me to be that testimony, don't you? Amen. Well, let's ask God. Let's stand tonight at the end of this service, and let's, let's just ask God to help us respond with His love. Amen. Let's just let Him have it. Heavenly Father, here we are, Lord. We long for You. And God, we know that without You and Your Spirit and Your presence, we would be totally lost. We don't deserve one thing that You've done for us. Lord, You washed us clean. Lord, You forgive us of everything that we've ever done. And we're not worthy. Now, God, give us, Lord, Your love in our hearts for those around us that treat us wrong. Give us Your love, God, to respond the way You would, Lord. Give us your heart. Give us your spirit. And almighty God, that somehow you would shine through us that others could see your glory. God, that other people would come to the kingdom because they would see the lives and the transformation of, Lord, these wonderful people as we surrender to you. We can't do it ourselves, God. It's not in us. It's only through the transforming power of your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We're trusting in you and we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's just tell, thank God that He's doing it right now. God, thank you, Lord. Do you hear us? And God, you have a purpose. And God, you're going to do great and mighty things, Lord. We're going to be able to see you, Lord, do mighty things through our humble spirit to you, God. Move, Lord. Move and bring revival to our families, Lord, to those situations that, Lord, seems to strip us up. And that, God, this place would be filled with your glory and presence. God, empower us. God, work in our minds and our hearts so that we please you, God, as we live right before others. And thank you, God, that you'll help us. God, this isn't impossible. It's easy for you. Thank you, Jesus, that we can do it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah.